Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome to Believe Podcast. I'm your host, John Hoisenstam. This is the Guitar Life. My special guest today is Chad Johnson. Don't forget that name, Chad Johnson. He is the author of dozens and dozens of books on guitar instruction, ukulele, mandolin, the list goes on and on. Quite a guitarist himself. He's great at what he does. Thousands of people enjoy his instructional books. I hope you enjoy our conversation. It's great, thanks. I'm so glad you decided to uh, join us here on the show. Thank you so much. Yeah, no problem. My pleasure. I hope so. <laughs> you got a lot of uh, cool interviews already. Yeah, uh, people, that, people that I know, people that are friends in the industry, uh, I've kind of lashed out to a few people that uh, I hadn't met before, but it didn't go as well. <laughs> they're, not, <laughs> they're not quite sure uh, what I'm up yeah. to. Right. So when I... Uh, talk to friends and uh you know it's more familiarity that that is, is generating everything right now <laughs> yeah but i have i've got uh, robin ford on standby you're kidding and uh larry coriel's son uh julian coriel julian they're, they're in in the middle of projects but as soon as they're uh finished uh, we're going to do an interview which should be fantastic Oh man, that's exciting yeah. to me. Definitely, Robin Ford. He was one of my uh, spent years and years in a Robin Ford uh, mode. You know, dissecting all that stuff. Yeah, so, no, uh, he's he's one of my main influences. I was uh, working in the uh, West LA music. Uh, I was sixteen. I was a broom, you know, broom sweeper kind of employee. <laughs> And uh-huh. he came into the uh, store. He was 17 years old, and he was uh, on the road with Charlie Musselwhite. Wow. Yeah. 17. <laughs> so uh, he sat down and played yeah, a I've couple. Yeah, I've heard some of those. Well, yeah, he played a couple of riffs. Sorry, and went, oh, oh, my God, you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was albums that he was on. And even back, in, even back, back then, he still had you know, what he ends up becoming as far as, you know, his taste and his tone and everything like that, you know. Yeah, he's amazing. Uh, when I did, um, I wrote a book called Play Like Robin Ford. I saw that. Leonard, right? I saw that. Yeah, and uh, when I was doing the re- the recordings, the sound like recordings for him, uh, and I was working on trying to get the tone, you know, and of course he, you know, he's got the dumbbell, you know, so it's uh, really, really hard, but I was doing, doing my best and, uh, I realized that because I'd read one time and I saw him in a clinic one time. He talked about how he plays with the blunt end of the pick, 
Mm-hmm. He doesn't play with a pointed end. And when I did that, it changed everything. It was a huge change. And that was like, that was like the biggest leap forward that I made in, in trying to duplicate his sound at all was turning the pick around like that. Wow. Uh, it seemed to kind of just kind of bring out a certain, like a, kind of an edge of a harmonic or something like that. And a lot of, you know, when, when he digs in a little bit, he gets kind of like a, it's not a pinch harmonic, it's not even a semi pinch harmonic, but it's kind of this, got this, little cusp uh on the top of the note <clears throat> that that was kind of inimitable really but uh but anyway that was i, I was kind of shocked how big of a difference that made well he took a little while to get used to playing that way you know but <laughs> he was playing uh, a super 400 through a basement when i met him that was uh-huh. his fir- the first setup that i'd heard of him what he was using yeah, and uh, he came into the store looking for an amp, a different type of amplifier, and we had these Standell amps that he really fell in love with. So we traded in, get this, an ES three forty five that he got from Elvin Bishop. Oh yeah. So I grabbed that guitar. I told the owners that I'd really like to own that guitar, please, and they gave it to me. And what happened was the amplifier was defective. Uh-oh. And about a week later, he came back into the store. He wanted all his equipment back. <laughs> so Jeez. I had fixed up this guitar. It, it, I mean, those two guys never did anything with it. I polished it. I set it up. I, you know, I, I made it like a dream guitar. Right. And then uh, Don Griffin, the uh, the owner of the store, he asked me to give it back to him just to be <laughs> courteous. I didn't really have to. You know, the, we could have sold that to any customer. It would have been, you know, bye-bye. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But... Uh, <laughs> But I gave the guitar back, and then a few weeks later, I bought a 175, which I'd never had had, and that became uh-huh. my uh, my staple guitar for my whole life. I, I, that's my main instrument that I like, you know, having. So uh, oh, wow. it was just a turn of events that turned out good for me. Yeah. <laughs> and at the same time, I regret, you know, not. But Robin Ford, oh, he's a gentleman, great guy to uh, to talk with. He's he's certainly personable. Yeah. <clears throat> Definitely, yeah. I've only talked to him a few times at clinics and a, a couple of shows, but he's always been uh, incredibly humble and, you know, just like you said, just a total gentleman and takes all the time. You know, you don't feel rushed or anything like that yeah. when you talk to him. So, well, I uh, interviewed uh, Jimmy Hassup, and they're like best friends. So, uh, oh, he he's a, uh, you know, he's with the up and up on what's happening with Robin Ford. So I know Robin Ford's in the middle of a a new album right now. So uh, that's exciting for all of us. (laughs) If we like listening to him play. Yeah. So let me, uh, let's go back a little bit. And uh, I want to congratulate you. Uh, You've got some kids now, right? You got a young boy and a young girl. Uh, That's that's right. Yeah. How's that going? (laughs) <laughs> oh man, it's a whirlwind. You know, I, I cannot believe that now Lennon, our son, he's 12, uh, which just blows me away. And well, here he is nine, our daughter. Uh, and um, we're actually homeschooling them this year for the first time. Um, of course you have part, to, right? Yeah. Partly because, you know, we had, they had started doing that last year, a little bit the second half of the year uh, in the spring, but it was through the school. Well, this time we're we just we withdrew them from public school. We're homeschooling them ourselves, um, partly because it safer. was a really yeah safer. It was a big pain in the butt dealing with they 
uh, dealing with the the way they had set it up because they weren't set up for it when they had to do it, you know. Um, and and but we just kind of decided that we wanted to see how we we have a lot of friends that do that and we wanted to try it out and it's been it's worked out really really well. Uh, we have more time, more free time to spend with them, and uh, they they like it better. Obviously, they don't have to get up; they can sleep in a little bit, you know. Uh, so I don't, it might be kind of hard to get them to go back to, to public school if we ever do get them to do that but uh but yeah it's yeah it's been it's it's a huge life-changing experience for sure and man i I just it's like someone just taking the gas and just speeding up speeding up the time you know i i can't believe how old they are now um it's it's insane well i'm i'm happy for you it sounds like uh you got a wonderful family does your wife do uh, uh something for a vocation besides being a great mother she does. She is a musician too, and she teaches piano uh, and beginning guitar and voice and some ukulele. Um, that's actually how we met. She auditioned for my band um, way back in the day, mm-hmm. uh, and as a vocalist, she she can sing like a bird. She's amazing, and um, uh, so yeah, we she started teaching at this local studio. And they quickly filled up her schedule. She's got like, um, oh, 35 students or something like that now. And um, so she does that a lot of a lot of the time. And then she also uh, does some part-time bookkeeping for uh, a company down in Houston that does like customization of uh, corporate products, like okay, you know, you know, things like that. So yeah, she stays very very busy uh, outside of the home as well. I mean, she. <laughs> You know, the only the studio job is the only one that she does outside of the job outside of the home. Other thing else is telecommuting, but she's very very busy. I don't know how she juggles it all. Sounds <laughs> like it's going to be hard for your kids not to be musicians. Are are either of them showing uh, an interest in playing an instrument or singing, or something? They do. Yeah, both of them uh, sing a little bit. Uh, they've they've sung in my wife's choir. She directs the choir. Okay. Um, a, a Gaelic chorus actually. They sing a lot in Irish and Scottish. Gaelic and, and, and Gaelic. And um, so they do that. And they also both take piano lessons now. And uh, Lahiri plays ukulele and she sings songs on the ukulele too. So um, none of them have really taken up to the guitar yet, although uh, Lahiri has now started asking for a guitar. So uh, there you we'll go. See. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's but, great. Uh, Congratulations yeah. to you, man. That's, that sounds Thank wonderful. <clears throat> so when was your first. Uh, bug you know you must have uh you know that point in time where you just decided this is for me i'm gonna i'm gonna take this as far as i can and maybe you had some relatives that influenced you do you remember that point in your time yeah yeah so the i think the first time i messed with a guitar at all was at 10 and it was my uh i had a friend who lived lived down the street uh and he played drums and, and guitar and um, I remember him showing me how to play, um, uh, shoot, like. Sure, the theme to uh, 007. Yeah, James Bond thing. Yeah, exactly. So he showed <laughs> me how to play that on the lowest string. And, and he, he and I would jam. I'd say jam. I played mostly open strings. That I didn't know what I was doing at that point. But I would make up little melodies using the open strings. Somebody but in the he, neighborhood? Somebody at school? Yeah, right down the street in my neighborhood. Uh-huh, I knew okay. him from, from sports and school and stuff like that. Okay. Uh, and he ended up he ended up moving away uh, eventually. But 
I kind of forgot it for a little while. And then maybe 14 or 15, uh, Van Halen's 1984 was out and about. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think the song Drop Dead Legs was the one that made me go, I got to play guitar. Uh, when, I heard, <laughs> when I heard that riff or whatever, I was like, yeah. oh my God, that's the coolest thing I've ever heard. Uh, so I ended up buying his guitar, uh, Lance, my friend from earlier, and uh, started learning on that. It was a PV T15. Okay. Uh, one of those with the amplifier built into the case, you know? And um, it was funny because I remember trying to learn how to play that. I got a couple of books from a local music store before I started taking lessons. And how old are you at this time? 10? 11? No, no, no. This was 15. Oh, I, okay. Like, yeah, I'd stopped playing for, I didn't, I, I didn't really get, I just messed around at 10, but I'd stopped for a while and then I came back at 15. That's okay. when, there you uh, go. Shortly you heard, after you heard Van Halen and that was it. Away you go at exactly. 15. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And, and so I was, I was working through a book. By, I think by Troy Statina or Stettina, I don't know if you know him, another Howlin' and author. Uh, it was something like heavy metal lead guitar, or heavy metal rhythm guitar, or something like mm -hmm. that. And I was working through one of those books. And I remember there was a, an example where it was talking about pinch harmonics. And my amplifier didn't have any distortion. It was just, you know, That'd kind be of hard, clean. To, hard to achieve yeah. without it. Yeah. And I remember listening to the cassette that was with the book at that time and, you know, trying to mimic the, that scream, you know, and I was like, <laughs> Something's not right. It's not, but uh, and so then I started taking lessons at a local music store and didn't know anything about equipment at all. And the first lesson, we get in there and he starts showing me the power chord riff to uh, uh, Scorpions, uh, Rocky like a hurricane, and he's showing me that riff and he he says, "Why don't you step on that heavy metal pedal there in front of you?" and uh, I stepped on the pedal and all of a sudden it was like, nah, nah, nah. like the clouds parted, you know, <laughs> like, oh my God. Uh, oh, so cool. I was like, mom, I got to get a heavy metal pedal right now, you know? And so yeah. I think we literally, we bought a heavy metal pedal at that point And I, I think worked it off at, as a sacker at a grocery store. Um, Yikes. But, but that was, <laughs> that was the first time I decided to play guitar, really got sucked into that point, started practicing, you know, for, four or five hours a day yeah uh, and then got into broke branched out from the all the metal through guys like satriani and steve Vai and eric johnson when i got into them i started saying you know there's other stuff they're right. they're using influences from other other sure. areas you know um i remember very clearly recognizing the dorian mode for the first time in a Steve Vai solo. Mm -hmm. I remember reading about it and him, you know, him talking about it. And uh, it was some solo of his. And I heard that major six against the minor chord. And I was sure, like, sure. That's, that's the Dorian mode, you know? And so I was, I've always been the kind of guy who reads a lot, um, instruction manual and stuff like that. So I was, I was always reading everything I could from magazines and stuff like that. And um, so, yeah, fast forward a couple of years later, I went to North Texas, University of North Texas, mm -hmm. to start playing there. And then that was another huge awakening because uh, that was when I got really introduced to jazz. You know, I lived in the music dorm. Oh, okay. So and, you went you went into school as a, a, a musician. That was your uh, your scholarship or your... Uh, yeah, my major. Yeah, I was yeah your major, major, excuse me. Yeah. yeah, Yeah, exactly. And I think at that point... 
I think I was a jazz studies major, um, which was kind of funny because I really didn't know anything about jazz at that point. I didn't even. Uh, so many I, students. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, and but I lived in the the music dorm there, Bruce Hall. It was called. Um, which, by the way, at that point in 1990, that was 1990, they did not have AC in that building, and so I got there in August in Texas. Uh, and oh, it would have been like a steam house. Oh, it was. <laughs> it was awful. I remember taking my bed and moving it to the window the first night, and opened the window and slept slept right next to the window the whole night. It was it was horrible. But um, but the thing that was so great about that place is every single night in the lobby there was a jazz combo set up playing. And so it was just like, I went from hearing hardly any jazz at all to every single day. I heard somebody and there were good players playing, you know, like that, uh, like good, you know, yeah. Uh, very America's so, America's free voice. Jazz. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Jazz is America's uh, contribution to a freedom of speech because that's exactly right. what it is. You know, your ability to uh, say whatever you want without offending somebody. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You might, you might, you might offend some of the, some of the listeners if they don't like the, you know, the, the outside notes or whatever, but you know, other than <laughs> you, you mean the witch burners, <laughs> <laughs> right. you're going to get burned at a stake. If you play exactly. that major third against that <laughs> minor chord type stuff. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, so, uh, you're you're becoming much more technical now and you're you know you're getting proficient on the guitar and uh you you traveled up and down the coast uh um playing in bands eventually right you you, you when you left school you started playing uh, bands all the time is that what happened yeah, yeah. so uh after UNT um i played in a couple of bands around the, the north texas area uh and um I, yeah, so at this point, what really happened next, the big thing that happened was through a friend of mine at, at school, uh, he was working at this company at that point called Red Ant, and they were a guitar instructional CD-ROM company. This was the late 90s. Okay. Um, and it was right around the time of the whole dot-com boom, where everything was just blown up. Right. And that, that company eventually became isong.com. Um and I got a job with them through my friend, Ted. Um, and so it was a really cool product. It was an instructional ROM that had basically each title would have, say, six songs. And mm -hmm. they would teach you, say, Eric Clapton, Jimi Hendrix. Uh, you'd learn six songs with a video, with scrolling you're, tab. You're the, are you the instructor here, or are you just doing the I was, uh, software I was an editor. Stuff. I was like a, a senior editor at the company. Okay. But I also did some on-screen um, videos, too. Uh, but it was the thing that was about the product that was crazy is that they used the artist's original recordings. So, like, when you bought the Jimi Hendrix title, you got six transcriptions. Well, they had the publishing, they had the publishing uh, uh, go ahead for that, huh? That's exactly that was was that's what eventually brought the company. I've down. never was, even heard of that. That's it was incredible. crazy, I, especially with Hendrix, because now working with Hal Leonard, Hendrix publishing is super crazy. Like they're very strict about what they allow, what they don't, you know, mm -hmm. but somehow they they had gotten several titles together. They had a Hendrix title. They had a Clapton title, Stevie Ray. Um, and so 
I was doing that with them. And then Hal Leonard uh, started distributing the product. And that's that was how I met anybody involved, uh, anybody from Hal Leonard, basically. I went on a trade show with iSong mm -hmm. in maybe 2000, early 2000 or, or late 99 uh, in New York. And I, I met a couple people at the Hal Leonard booth just because they were distributors. And I introduced myself and got their card and stuff like that. Well, in 2000, early 2000, iSong went out of business. Uh, they laid everybody off. And at that point, I just literally took out the, the business card that I had at Hal Leonard and struck it up with somebody. them. Yeah, emailed somebody and he said, your resume looks great. Let me forward you to Jeff Schradel, who's our VP of, you know, uh, uh, what did he used to be, VP of pop and standard or whatever. And uh, Jeff got in, in uh, Jeff got in touch with me there, and then that's when I started freelancing with them. So that was two thousand. And slowly. And this lick, we're using uh, kind of a sequence idea with some half step bends. We start off uh, out of the D blues scale, bending from the flat fifth into the fifth. And then come down the blues scale. Then we transpose that same idea down a minor third to the B minor or the B blues scale, which is the relative minor of, of D, and play the same exact thing. So over that, it has more of a, a major blues sound over the D uh, harmony. And then we take this uh, B note and bend it up a half step and kind of suggest this C sound. We move down strings here. And then surround the uh, minor third, or major third of the D and resolve to the tonic. You're listening to Chad Johnson. It's one of his instructional videos, Barnyard Bends, Country Lick by Chad Johnson. It's a Hal Leonard publication. Chad is very well known for these sort of things. This is John Heusenstam. You're listening to The Guitar Life. This is a Believe Podcast production. Hope you're enjoying our show. Please subscribe. Uh, yeah. I I uh, was I doing that um, for several years. <laughs> Excuse me. I was doing a similar thing for a company called Video Guitar Lessons. They're out of the San Fernando Valley. Uh-huh. And uh they were being distributed by the guitar centers. So I did about like 10 10 DVDs for them of all just a mishmash of just about everything you could think of for guitar. Yeah. And uh it was just before it went like you say, a digital, you know, digital cloud universe, you know, for right. for information. Just right. before that, right? Yeah. And Hal Leonard was interested in all of that uh, footage that we did, but it wasn't uh, it wasn't in HD. You know, it wasn't high definition. It was more, uh, you know, the the precursor to all that. You know, digital cameras, little, right. you know. So the quality wasn't. Uh, 
right. you know, as good. good. So in, in the end, uh, the uh, the deal didn't go down. But still, I, I got to work for Hal Leonard doing uh, books and videos. Yeah. You know, we co-wrote. And I'm thinking there's another book in the, in the uh, wings here that I want to talk to you about after the interview uh, that I started that maybe you, you'd be interested in co-authoring with me. So... Oh, that would be awesome. Yeah, I, yeah. Think, I think I need somebody. It's a little bit, uh, you know, it's better to work with somebody, put it that way. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I know what you're saying. Uh, I loved your contributions uh, in the, the 200 Country Licks DVD. Oh, uh, thanks. I, I Man, I went through it. I I stole so many of those licks. <laughs> Good. Good. I think I, put, I, I think I put 80 of them in there. And, yeah. Uh, it was funny, the guitar that I was using was sort of a home, you know, spun guitar. I got the neck in Nashville, I got the body, and, and I wasn't happy with the uh, the sound that I was getting, but um, I do love Telecaster music, like, uh, and people don't really know that about me, but I've always kept, uh, like, a couple of hillbilly numbers in my sets, you know, no matter what kind of music I'm playing or... Or, or you know where I'm at in the world, I always throw in a couple of you know you know kind of Telecaster bluegrass kind of right. hillbilly numbers, because I grew up listening to uh, Roy Clark and uh, oh, and yeah. uh, Glenn Campbell. Glenn Campbell. Yeah, <coughs> who are both virtuoso uh, type phenomenal. guitar players. Yeah. Yeah, phenomenal so, players. I owe a lot of my inspiration to those guys because uh, they were on television all the time. So and not not just not just guitar players they were like triple threats you know they could sing they could write I mean they were you know they were crazy you know great entertainers yeah solid I mean, all Roy Clark always made me laugh he always wow. put a smile on my face and he was a great banjo player too he was like oh yeah I I have uh, some of his books uh, banjo book as well uh, yeah he's a great musician anyway anyway that's incredible yeah. stuff so yeah let's talk about versatility so so you you know you 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 got into the guitar through van halen which i think is hard to believe because you yourself you know are so entrenched into like a you know a modern kind of a telecaster country type of a guitar uh, sound do you, you do you attribute that to just the fact that you can play uh very um efficiently with a lot of technique and you just choose whatever music you want because you can play any style on the guitar now is that basically how you explain that i mean how do you how, how did that all happen <laughs> you sorry know, that wasn't a very yeah, good question no, no, no. uh no i think a lot of it had to do with working for hal leonard and having uh um to learn all these different styles and transcribe all these different styles of playing right that was, uh yeah that's interesting yeah because i hadn't really heard i'm not a big country music fan as far as like young country i don't usually keep it on the radio or whatever you know but the guitar playing is phenomenal you know and it's fun to play you know so uh i you know guys like brent mason and you know john and all these people that all these country shredders sure. Uh, Scotty Anderson. Yeah, I, love, I was going to say Scotty Anderson. And, I, I mean, just love that uh, guy. You know, all these people. Oh, God. Yeah, it's insane stuff. And I, I think, you know, I think the first thing, I, I should say before the country bug got planted in, when I was in college, because I heard Jerry Donahue yeah. doing The Claw. Uh, all those bends. Yes. And I'm, I mean, I remember. We're just being blown away by that tune. And I have that to book. Learn I have that Jerry Donahue uh, book. 
Oh, do you? Yeah, the method book. Yeah, yeah. And actually, and you know, um, Eric Johnson did a couple of country tunes every once in a while too, you know, so I would kind of get involved in that, you know, trying to learn some of that stuff. But yeah, so I think that, but then, but when I started working at How Learned, it was like every other project was a different style. You know, it was like you heavy metal, one project, country guitar, jazz, you know. So, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, being at UNT definitely expanded my versatility just because I, uh, my knowledge of theory grew and my knowledge of uh, my ear improved tremendously. And so I could start picking out things a lot more quickly. Yeah. And, you know, so I wouldn't have to sit there if I wanted to learn a country solo it wouldn't take me, you know, two hours to sit there and hunt and peck on the notes, whatever. I could recognize phrases right away and I could just get up, get my guitar and, you know, work on it, you know, instead mm-hmm. of having to sit there and mm-hmm. hunt and peck everywhere. And so that's why uh, whenever I have students, I always try to get them to um, start singing as soon as they can, because that the connection that makes between your ear, sure, yeah, and, you know, it just, you know, it, it speeds everything up, you know, um, so I, people, you know, non-musicians are a lot of times impressed when you can do things like just listen to a song the first time. And if it's a simple pop rock song, whatever, usually, you know, you listen to it once you've got the chord progression down, you can just play it right away, you know, Mm -hmm. and non-musicians are like blown away by that, you know, like, how could you do that or whatever, you know, but, um, you realize that music is just a language, just like anything else. And you get, you, you get good at, at speaking it and understanding it and repeating it sure. and the more you know you're, the bigger vocabulary you have the, the easier it is to speak the language uh quickly and efficiently and so yeah so the ear i think is the is i, I don't know how i got started talking about that when you asked about technique well, and well, like I could, let me interrupt <laughs> you just for a second here yeah so so I, I know what it's like to work for hal leonard you're under the uh you're under the uh, m- uh microscope so when you're turning out these uh samples when you're when you're when you're playing things that are supposed to represent what it is that you're trying to teach, and you're talking about a whole idiom of music that might take certain people a lifetime to be good at, just right. the one yeah. style. So yeah. you're you're kind of like in the hot the hot seat there. So you, yeah. you 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 take it seriously. So you want the guitar playing to be up to scratch. You want people to say, yeah, that's that's the way it's supposed to sound like that. And and it's you right. you know it's Chad Johnson who's doing it. You know, they're not hearing like B.B. King or uh, Robin Ford or Eddie Van Halen. They're hearing Chad Johnson's example of way the guitar thing is supposed to sound. So you really have got to practice. You've got to do an incredible amount of homework in order to come up with all that information and and perform it. Am I not? Am I not right? Here I go. I'm thinking about it in my head going, that poor guy. (laughs) Oh, no, definitely. Uh, Uh, no it's uh it's 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 a ton of work i mean you know a lot of work up front especially on all the guys that have such a signature sound like robin yeah or uh is is work on the tone up front just spending hours trying to trying to get that down but then the licks uh i mean when i learned revolution uh i mean um uh, not revolution (laughs) uh revolution Revelation. Revelation. Um, the uh, the old uh, yeah the old uh, Yellow Jackets tune that, that Robin Ford did on his uh, album. <clears throat> I had to do that for um, for the, the play like Robin Ford book. And oh my god, uh, I had never realized how much stuff he packed into that 
solo, it sounds so off the cuff and so it probably was. It sounds so just free and loose and just kind of he just yeah. you know he's just mixing some major and minor here and they're like that. But then I learned it and I was like, I mean, I always knew that he knew his stuff, but even in that, uh, there's some changes in there that slip that slip by. He's a good jazz that, musician. He's a good. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah. He, he could play <clears throat> piano and saxophone. He's, you know, he's a very, uh, very complete. <clears throat> musician with a blues bass on guitar so you get those you get those cross sections of uh harmonic knowledge coming through which uh takes a lot of study you know Yeah, Chad Johnson, very tasteful guitarist. He's our special guest today. I'm your host, John Hoisenstam. This is a Believe Podcast production. You're listening to The Guitar Life. If you're enjoying our show, please subscribe. Thanks very much. Yeah. Hey, I oh, also yeah, yeah. I also but see... Yeah, so like that. Sorry, I also see that you did Eric Clapton uh, books, so or a book. So there's another guy that's got a very... Uh, specific style what was it like trying to uh, transcribe that sort of stuff yes i did do a play like eric clapton <clears throat> um <laughs> just the title of it i think about it because i uh, i and, and the, tried to play like eric clapton by listening to records before there were cds yeah. before there were cassettes out i would be putting <laughs> the needle on you know mm -hmm. trying to play like eric clapton and, and that was just hard you know yeah oh yeah uh no i remember uh the 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 dissatisfying thing about that about that book was i i loved writing it but um they how leonard had um recordings of all of those songs that they had used in other books uh -huh. um, so, so to save money that i was forced to use the already existing recordings so i did not get to record the eric clapton uh guitar for that book um but and you did the transcriptions huh i did a few i did a few yeah they had a lot of transcriptions already but i transcribed some of the stuff and spent a lot of time obviously analyzing the plane and stuff like that so i could write about it right. his, his vibrato for instance uh is unique you know that it's not sure. the typical it's not the typical wrist vibrato like a hendrix or or a or a stevie ray but it's more parallel kind yeah, of back and yeah, forth exactly. yeah kind of from the elbow you know which is uh which is a uh, unique you know you know but um and it sounds different you know when you play like sunshine every love without that clapton vibrato it's it doesn't have this quite the same mm -hmm. the same uh weight as a, he, he had a great way of adding weight to notes <clears throat> or he had he has sure I get, <clears throat> he's yeah. not gone yet yeah, thank god you know um <clears throat> but uh but I yeah you said I, that. <laughs> so <laughs> you're not gone yet yeah. Eric. <laughs> <laughs> but I, you know another, another thing about him that i think that that's uh, doesn't have to do with guitar but i think his his vocals are criminally underrated i think he's a great great oh, he was he too, was from know, the very, very get-go you know i thought it was the i thought it was jack bruce singing everything for a while oh, yeah. 
for a while. And then later on, I found out it was Eric Clapton that was singing half of it, you know. And I said, oh, my God, that guy's got a fantastic uh, alto, you know. Yeah. He's way up there in a lot of that stuff. Yeah, great singing, great soulful tone, you know. Uh, But anyway, yeah. Uh, But, yeah, yeah, just overall, I think uh, hours and hours spent, you know, but that's the good. I mean, I can't I can't. Um, I can't complain at all about my job because I, you know, get to spend hours and hours learning these, you know, fam- mm-hmm. famous solos, famous riffs, or whatever, and recording them, and get paid to do it. You know, I mean, that's that's pretty cool. <laughs> you know? Yeah, well, I mean, you know, you've done you've done over seventy uh, books, I guess. Uh, do you have an exact number of how many uh, published uh, books Hal Leonard have? Uh- done with your name on it probably a lot there that where you contributed but you didn't get any credit is my guess right um i think it's probably close to 90 at this point yeah but um some of them i mean some of them are like you know mandolin chord finder or whatever so it's not really like i spent a lot of time but it's more like you know just a, a bunch of chords or whatever you know but but as far as you know method books and you know style books and stuff like that there's yeah, there's a bunch of them. I mean, I, it's been my main bread and butter, pretty much since about two thousand one, mm-hmm. um, save for a few years when I was actually up in Milwaukee working in house with them from oh six to oh nine. I was up there in house. Wow. Them. But other than that, it's been all freelance. Have you done uh, much one on one teaching? Do you ever start up a practice where you're doing one on one on a weekly basis, say? I hadn't I hadn't done a lot of it until the last couple of years. And I actually started teaching at the studio that my wife teaches at. Okay. Um she uh she told the owner about me, and then the owner called me and because I guess the owner had used a lot of the books that I had written in her <laughs> That's convenient. Uh, studio. And so she <laughs> That's was a way excited. to get a job. So, uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, so I she, she quickly loaded me up with about 16 or 17 students, you know, and so I would teach two days a week, go out there for a few hours in the evening and teach. Uh, I just stopped doing that um, about two months ago because um, I'm doing a bigger project now with Hal Leonard. We're designing a new website uh, a new teach yourself music kind of website right, so right uh, yeah so that's that's kind of taken up most of my time now but um but it was interesting you know um i taught a lot of kids you know i guess a lot of people do but mm-hmm. a, lot of, a lot of young kids you know and it's almost as if at that point when they're 10 years old or whatever it, it's almost as if either they have the eye of the tiger and they want to be there and they want to learn or they don't you know mm-hmm. and 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 the parents are just kind of wanting someone to babysit them for a little bit or whatever and just i guess you know try to learn something in the process or whatever but some kids would do everything you asked them to do and they would come back and they would progress like crazy you know and other kids you know so how you know how to go this week you know oh i couldn't practice because i had soccer on wednesday <laughs> you know? yeah yeah that's- uh you know, so you, you couldn't practice all week, you know, because you got to weed them out. You got you know? to weed, um, you weed them out. You find out who's. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, you find out who's serious and who's got aptitude and interest, those sort of things. Who's serious. Yeah. 
So did you have any teachers? Yeah. You said you did. But. You know, you said you did study with somebody. I was going to say, but. Yeah, yeah, sorry. I'll go back. Yeah, let me go back to that. One thing that was, was really great about teaching is getting to see, like, one-on-one feedback about the things in my books. Like, if we used the book that I wrote to see how it connected with the students, which ones worked well, which ones didn't, what uh, what was a worthy, you know, pursuit as far as, you know, real estate in the book, were people reading the text before sure. an example or were they just looking at it? Uh, so that was really invaluable to get that one-on-one feedback right away. Uh, it also made me realize that, for instance, a lot of the books that Helen has put out are very heavy on male dominated, you know, examples from, you know, and, and a lot of the females kind of get left out in the dark. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, like these, there's a huge nowadays, like with ukulele, tons of girls are playing ukulele. And bass know? guitar. And ba- yeah, yeah, exactly. <clears throat> and so the the examples in the book, you know, like we're, you know, playing through the book and it's like all these, you know, Beatles examples or, you know, and it's, that's cool and everything, but they're like, I want to learn Taylor Swift or I want to learn, you know, yeah. Katy Perry or whatever, you know? And so uh, uh, actually my wife came up with the idea, you know, because she teaches ukulele too. She's like, we need to write a book, ukulele for girls, you know, because, and have it nothing but, you know, female uh, mm-hmm. examples. And so we did that. And it's in the works right now with how Leonard would film the video for it too. And so we're looking forward to that being released because I think that's a huge untapped market right now um, because girls are just, they're killing it with the you. I mean, it's all, you know, YouTube everywhere. It's, you know, a girlfriend or a wife it's going to get awkward because they're going to be like women falling over your feet. So just keep that in mind. Uh, this one's in D mixolydian and it sounds like this. One, two, three, four. And here it is slowly. Here's a look at the pick hand on this one. Okay, again, this is um, in D mixolydian, and it's meant to Chad be Johnson again showing us how it's done. <laughs> He's a great teacher. You're listening to the Guitar Life. I'm John Hoisenstein, the host. This is a Believe Podcast production. We're with Chad Johnson today. If you're enjoying our show, please subscribe. Thanks very much. Girls doing a ukulele kind of Yeah, Laguna Beach, where uh, I teach at the guitar shop. Uh, you know, we're right there at the coast. So uh, the Pacific Coast Highway is like an artery for, you know, beach, beach lovers. So uh-huh. ukulele customers come in there day in and day out, you know. Yeah. <laughs> And it's interesting, one of Kirk's, uh, Kirk Sand, he's a great guitar uh, builder. You know, he, he designed the Chet Atkins uh, guitar for Gibson. Um, anyway, so one of his uh, prodigies or his students, uh, you know, he's mastered making a replica of old Martins or Gibsons. He can he can make anything, you know, right? So he's uh-huh. standing in the, 
he's standing in the lobby, of the, you know, the rest or the, uh, the shop out in front by the counter. Hey, what's going on, Tim? What are you doing? He goes, I, I, I don't know what to do now, you know, that I got all this stuff happening with the guitar making. I says, why don't you start making ukuleles? You know, what? Yeah. I said, people come in here all day long looking for ukuleles. Why don't you make a real high end ukulele like, you know, the same kind of quality as a D28 or a D35 right. or whatever. Make some really nice. He got back ordered. You know, people oh, were just they, they wanted these ukuleles so much he couldn't even keep up. You know, <laughs> it was it was too much for him. He said, I'd rather just make a guitar in the end because I put the same amount of effort into just one little ukulele as I do right. into a, a guitar, you know. But right, it just yeah. shows you what you're saying. I'm just verifying the fact that ukulele is a fantastic instrument. And George Harrison used to carry oh, yeah. him around in the boot of his car for parties and stuff, I guess. Yeah. So there yeah. was always instruments for everybody to play when they, you know, he went to these parties. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. Uk ukuleles are ma major, you know. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So, so what do you, so what are you up to right now? You're doing a big project for uh, Hal Leonard and a website for educational uh, purposes, huh? What, yeah. what are you called upon to do? Um, I mean, how much of the creative side, how much of just uh, assembly? I mean, how much <clears throat> of it are you responsible for? Yeah. Um, so they, um, it actually started back in February, I think. Um, I had been in talks with Jeff Schradel He's now VP of the company, uh, and um, I flew up there in February to meet with them, and we talked about me moving up there in-house mm -hmm. again and doing full-time, um, and uh, we were all cool. We agreed on everything. We were ready to go, and then we got back. And my family and I went to Port Aransas, Texas for uh, spring break. And then we came back and then everything had blown up mm -hmm. with the corona. Everything was shutting down. So at that point, things got, you know, temporarily sidelined. And he said, well, you know, we'll, we'll get back to we'll get back to it. We know what's more what's going on. So um, I actually kind of didn't really have a lot of work uh, for a few months. I collected unemployment for a few months um, because their freelance thing was pretty much slowed down. And like no thousands else... of other musicians. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Everybody so, got their legs chopped off. Yeah, definitely. And then, um, but uh, I guess back in uh, maybe July or August, I started back up freelance with Hal Leonard and now working on the project. Mm -hmm. And just so to answer your question, it's like uh, I'm going to, basically kind of be the, the creative, uh, he doesn't want to use the word director, but kind of in charge of uh, assembling all the content. Mm -hmm. I mean, they have a massive, massive amount of content you know, that we have to draw from. Um, and then working on the functionality of the site, the um, the kind of learning paths that, you know, that are going to be available. Sure. Uh, so the nuts and bolts of it, basically. And right now I'm basically... I've been doing nothing but cataloging the content, um, kind of saying, okay, this is going to work for, for this kind of style. This is going to work. <clears throat> Should we use this? And also talking about which things have not been digitized yet, because they still have tons of books that haven't been digitized that need to be. Scanned. Um, yeah, exactly. And the audio um, brought in and all that stuff. And mm -hmm. so 
that's a huge project. Yeah, it um, sounds like a, a, a few years in the making. I exactly. Thought, it's yeah. been it's been solid, solid work for the last several months, basically. So, um, but yeah, I think the plan now is to possibly we're shooting, I think for next summer to move up there and start full time, mm -hmm. uh, as an employee, uh, instead of freelance. God, so, good luck with that. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Um, you have to you be know. awfully good at what you do for those guys to like put out like that. Cause there's such <laughs> a, there's such a staunch, uh, you know, company uh dedicated to providing quality uh you know sheet music and books for people i mean if it if it wasn't good they wouldn't they wouldn't be able to sell it right so right. so having right. you uh you know on board like that really uh is a testament to your abilities hey let me ask you some uh question changing the subject just a little bit yeah what are those two guitars behind you <laughs> <laughs> I see a Telecaster that's got a racing stripe. What is that? Yeah. Yeah. Explain that to me. This was a. I built this. Ah, there um, you go. Uh, <laughs> I built some of it. Uh, it's got a fender neck on it, but uh, I built the body and painted it, and it's. It, that's I cool. Not, thank you. I did not. Not actually intend for this to be relics like this, but. It was the first time I tried to do a finish myself, and I kept screwing it up. So I said, "You know what? Screw it. I'll just." Relic I think it, it looks better like that. Yeah, I think it does too. Yeah. You know, I really like it. Um, but that's it's just a happy accident. Um, and so, and then I put um, uh, Bill. Um, oh shoot, Bill Wild or Wild Pickups. Uh huh. Um, Can you there. send me a picture of yourself uh, playing yeah, that? I'll use it. I'll use it for the PR. Yeah, yeah, I'll I'll look for that. See if I got it. See if I got a picture of it. If not, I'll, you can email I'll, it to me. And then this is what is that beautiful blue? Stacks. I have a, I have an Eric Johnson Strat at the moment. I oh, really like. Nice. Yeah. I can see the bottom up there. Yeah. So this is just a standard. I think it's actually a Mexican standard, but I I've just fell in love with it and I've customized it and replaced all the electronics and everything like that. Yeah. But, uh, it's, it's, it's a nice, and it's got a, it's got the uh, mid seven or mid sixties, uh, uh, stock, large headstock. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 But, uh, it's a really great playing guitar. It sounds great. It feels, uh, I love the feel of the neck on it. Uh, um, and it's got a nice kind of, I don't know what it is, like a half satin finish or something like that on the neck, yeah, but that's it feels really called. nice. Yeah, satin finish. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for doing that. Yeah, no problem. <laughs> you know, speaking of Robin Ford, I know something about the, the evolution of his guitars. So he went from the Super 400. He started playing with Tom Scott, and Tom Scott told him to get a, a thin line guitar. Ooh. So he got a Guild Starfire, right? Ooh. And I think that lasted for a while, but then I guess Tom Scott said he should get a Gibson, right? So uh, he went to a 335, I think. And then, of course, Fender started making those. Uh, a Spirit, is that yeah. what it's called? Yeah. And uh, that would be a sound that would be hard to replicate because those Fender guitars are unique. You know, they're uh, kind of almost like a Les Paul being a solid body guitar, but they made chambered ones, too. So that you had, he, I guess he had his pick between a, a heavy one and a light one, 
And uh, yeah. you know what I'm talking about, right? Those double yes, cutaway that, uh, Fender yeah, guitars. Yeah, very unique guitar. I don't. What, do you know where that where that was the body mahogany like a Les Paul, or do you know? I think they made a bunch of different ones. I'm guessing, but uh, um, I think it was mahogany with a maple cap, like on a Les Paul. I'm not sure. I'd be lying if I told you I knew. But uh, then I remember reading an article where he said uh, he always wanted to get a Telecaster. And then mm -hmm. came along, uh, I think I saw him with a 50s Telecaster or something. Yeah. And then I, I saw some old videos of him on the uh, Dave Sanborn uh, TV show where he was hired as a rhythm guitarist, you know, or a backup guitarist for the special guests that were coming in. And he was playing a Stratocaster. So, well, so he's not, uh, you know, <clears throat> he's not stuck with any one guitar if he doesn't have to be, you know, like I'm sure right. he had a contract with Fender for those uh the spirits the for a spirits. while. Yeah, probably yeah. so. Uh, and then through a Dumble amplifier, right? Right, right. which, that, yeah, I uh, I had the opportunity to um, meet Eric Johnson and go down to his studio in, in Austin. Okay. Because I wrote, I wrote the Play Like Eric Johnson book, the same series as the Play Like Robin Ford one. So they, I was able to set up an interview with him. And another, talk about an incredibly humble gentleman. Have you ever met Eric? I haven't met him, no, but Eric I have friends before? that know him, so I'm I'm, I'm that oh, close. Yeah, yeah, I'm that close. <laughs> yeah, oh man, he was. I mean, he literally like spent the first thirty minutes just asking me about, you know, what band I played and, and what. I mean, he, he like he interviewed me for the first. Oh, what a nice guy! Just a really, really humble guy. Yeah, uh, and he told me that um, he got a he bought a Dumble from Robin once, actually, actually. Uh, his first stumble, I think he bought from Robin, and um, he told me that Robin you know, wanted wanted it back, and he wouldn't he wouldn't give it to him. <laughs> and I, think, uh, I think it like went on for a couple of years before Robin was able to get it back from him. But he kept like you know screening his calls. And <laughs> one of the guys that I interviewed, his name is Peter Margolis. Uh -huh. He and Eric Johnson have this equipment uh, relationship. So when when Eric is going through stuff and he wants to offload it, Peter buys all of his uh, stuff. He's got all kinds of plexis and oh, yeah. all of, all those original pedal boards. And it was really interesting in the interview yeah. talking with Peter about everything that, uh, you know, Eric was doing with equipment and stuff, you know, old Marshall amps and all kinds. Of, right. Yeah, he's a, he's a bit of a, a geek, you know, a, <laughs> a, gear, a gear geek or whatever you call those guys. Yes, definitely, for sure. Wow. Hey, you know, you could probably uh, share a lot about, uh, you know, the dozens of uh, artists that you've met uh, writing all these books for Hal Leonard. Uh, but it's been great uh, talking with you. Is there anything uh, else that you could think of that we could close with? Uh, it's been really fantastic. Well, uh, the one my uh, one kind of funny story that I have, I, I, I guess I never got to um, – you had asked about it. And I, never, I never circled back around to it. But after when I moved over, to, I moved out to North Carolina um, in, in 2011 and started playing in a, um, uh, a wedding band. And we, you know, played and kind of toured up the west, up and down sure. the uh, east coast. Uh, played in Virginia a lot, uh, 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 North Carolina, South Carolina, mm -hmm. different areas around then. And I got got in with this guy, uh, Bill Stevens. He's a great keyboard player, and he played a bunch with um, Artemis Pyle, who's a drummer for Leonard Skinner. Um, he was the drummer for several years. I don't know uh, which exact years, but anyway, 
Uh, so I ended up doing a, a gig with him um, and Oteil Burbage from um, Allman Brothers Band. And the very first time that I ever played Sweet Home Alabama on stage was with Artemis Pyle. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great story. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> did did he still remember how to play the song? <laughs> oh wait, no, I said Sweet Home Alabama. Uh, no, it wasn't Sweet Home Alabama. It was um, it was a uh, the big one, uh, uh, Freebird. It was Freebird. Oh my God, that would have been fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he and yes, he did know. He and he played it. Bill said he's going to play it exactly like the record. All the stops are going to be the same exact spot. So if you're not ready for the, you know, the stop, he's going to stop and you're going to have to do it. You know, so, but yeah, How it, fun. Was, it was that great. must've been fun. Yeah. yeah. It was a lot of fun. Uh, so but, so you know, is, is Anna, is Anna Texas far from a farmer's branch? Uh, farmer's branch is more. So I'm, I'm in Denton now uh, mm -hmm. where we moved over in Denton, but Anna is so, Let's see for you. So um, here's Dallas. Here's Fort Worth. Denton is here in the middle. And then um, uh, so Dallas kind of goes up 75 here up to uh, McKinney area and Anna. And Farmer's Branch is kind of down. Uh, it's probably about 20 minutes away, 30 minutes away from, from where I, Anna. I played blues in the Farmer's Branch, man, for about two, two weeks once. Yeah, or at least oh, a week. Wow. Yeah. I was That's at cool. the uh, the Ramada Inn in Farmers Branch when it used to be a nightclub. This oh, is, that's funny. This yeah. is uh, this is in 1973, 74, something like oh, wow. that. Yeah. Wow. Maybe maybe so... maybe 75. I can't I can't remember exactly. But I was on the road with a a band out of New Orleans called La Vera, and we were playing uh, in the Farmers Branch for a little while there. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Playing the blues. <laughs> That's a yeah. I was uh, seventy four, seventy five. I was, I was playing with with Matchbox cars on my floor. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez, uh, I shouldn't give away my age. Like <laughs> hey, hey, thanks so much for being with me today. Um, I want to congratulate you on your success and and thanks for doing all that work. There's been thousands of people that have enjoyed your books. I'm sure of it, and uh, you get nothing but good reviews. So, uh, thanks for all that great. Uh, uh, work that you do yeah oh yeah i really appreciate it man uh it's been a pleasure uh and i i'm really looking forward to getting the chance to work with you again if you do want to you know do, do a co-op we'll, we'll talk but, about that i got an idea yeah thanks Chad Johnson, some nice acoustic guitar work. This is John Heusenstam. You've been listening to The Guitar Life. This is a Believe Podcast production. I hope you enjoyed our show. Thanks for listening. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. 
that crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.